Welcome to the Animation Happy Hour, a podcast about breaking into the animation industry over a couple of drinks. All opinions and views expressed in this podcast are solely our own and are not representative of the companies for whom we work. My name is Garrett. And I'm Ben. And I'm Katie. And we are all currently feature film animators working at Disney. Yes. So you heard correctly. We're all at Disney now. (laughs) Um, We're... We kind of went back and forth on how we wanted to talk about this, but um, if you've been listening to the podcast for a little while now, you'll know that I was at DreamWorks for about two years and just recently accepted an opportunity to go to Disney to work on their upcoming project. Um, and it was a very difficult decision. Um, I was very happy with my time at DreamWorks and you know, love my coworkers there, uh, but thought this would be a good learning opportunity. Um, so... That's what's going on right now. And like I said, we kind of went back and forth on how transparent we wanted to be about this or what. Um, But ultimately, we think it's helpful for everyone to know exactly what's going on with us because this is, at the end of the day, supposed to be an educational thing. So we will see how it goes. I'm very excited. Um, And yeah, so keep listening. And who knows, maybe six months from now, it will be, my name is Ben and I'm currently unemployed and looking for a job, but (laughs) (laughs) we'll see how that goes. Um, So that's what's going on. Before we get into this episode, we wanted to quickly acknowledge this crazy situation that we're in right now with, you know, coronavirus and quarantines and all this chaos. Um, All of us are fortunate enough to be able to work remotely, but it's still kind of a scary time. And, you know, I'm sure some of you guys are in school or you're looking for jobs and there's a lot of uncertainty in the air with what's going on. Um, But, you know, it's funny. We find that like entertainment is sort of what keeps us sane in times like these. And honestly, we're hoping that this podcast can bring some sort of value to your life during this crazy time. Uh, so yeah, we're all in this together. Stay safe, stay, uh, socially isolated and wash your hands, do all that stuff. Um, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. So today we'll be talking with animator Josh Slice, who is currently also working at Disney feature animation. He is well known for creating the viral and lucrative YouTube series, Lucas the Spider. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) We're excited to have Josh on the podcast to talk all about independent content creation and how to make money outside the studio system. Yay, thanks so much for coming on, Josh. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so Josh was kind enough to also bring the drinks that we are having now. Josh, could you give us a little intro on what what this is? Yeah, so right now we are enjoying a... Pilsner from Highland Park Brewery. Uh, I get all my beers now via can release, so it means they brew it, put it right in the can, and then they sell it directly to oh, wow. whoever wants to buy it. It doesn't even sit Great. in the store. Great. So to start things off, uh, Josh, we would love just a quick intro for from you. Uh, where do you come from? Where were you educated? Greatest fears? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, Whatever you want to introduce. <laughs> so I actually grew up in... Uh, Pasadena, just nearby. Uh, went to school at the Academy of Art University in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. Did school up there, then came back, and I'm mostly been working in LA. Uh, favorite drink? Guess it depends what I'm in the mood for. Right now, it's mm-hmm. his Pilsner. <laughs> uh, yeah, that works out. <laughs> so maybe we can start with you telling us a little bit about what is Lucas the Spider for people who aren't familiar. I'm shocked if you're not familiar <laughs> because it's so good. Um, but yeah, what is this series? 
that you made? Uh, so Lucas the Spider is uh, it's basically an online uh, web series on YouTube um, about a cute little spider who just wants to be your friend um, and mm. <laughs> wholesome. Trying not to die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so your cool. nephew's voice, right? Yeah. Remembering? Okay. And I think one of the reasons it was probably super successful is that spiders are typically, people are scared of them and like, you know, making, it's it's kind of a challenge, an interesting challenge to make it cute. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, I, two years later, I wonder if there are more people out there who like spiders, but never had an opportunity to express that. <laughs> so this came along and they're like, oh my gosh, it's so cute. Do you think it's cute? And people <laughs> give their reaction. And it goes without saying, we'll have the link to the original Lucas the Spider and the YouTube channel and all that Absolutely. on the show notes. Yeah. Sure. So there's a bit of an interesting story behind like you creating Lucas the Spider where there was sort of like a layoff uh, happening and then you created it during your downtime. There's, can you explain that? Is that even accurate? I don't know if I'm making things up right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, so, um, <laughs> let's see. It was, I think, winter of like 2016 or 17. Uh, I was on the East Coast, um, not enjoying my time there. It was winter, work was slow, and I said, I just need a creative project to keep myself sane, to get mm-hmm. myself through winter. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of my big hobbies was for years has been creating characters uh, in 3D. Mm. Like I didn't want to just, I'm not the type to sort of draw something out and be like, hey, here's a concept. It's I like to actually build it, rig it, and move it around in 3D. Whoa, that's pretty challenging. I feel like pretty technical. Yeah, I've always liked like all the you know all the all the aspects of the pipeline. So mm. um, for this one, I really want to do something with XGen, which is fur. Mm-hmm. And it made a lot of sense for a spider because um, I didn't have a great computer and uh, spiders only have so many hair follicles. <laughs> so I knew it would be oh, a lot yeah. easier to pull off. That's interesting. <laughs> That's smart. Mm-hmm. Oh. And there was a there's a photo. I think this photo is the reason why I made this character. It was a jumping spider and a leaf and it already looked really cute. <laughs> uh, well, I wonder how much I could push it. Can I make it even cuter? Mm-hmm. At that time, I knew I was going to move back to L.A. at some point. I just didn't know when. So this is just the project to carry me over until that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I think it was around March, I got an offer from Disney to come back to work on Wreck-It Ralph 2. Oh. I was like, ah, this is my ticket to come back home. So I was really excited to come back, set everything in motion as far as like my apartment, moving, everything, like this and that. Preparing to go to the West Coast again. Yeah. So I, I basically put a pin on the project because I knew that well, I was moving, so I couldn't work on it. Right. Um, and then on my third to last day at work at uh, Blue Sky, um, I got the news that they had to delay the movie like eight months or something, and they had to pull all the offers. Oh, my gosh. God. So it created this uh, interesting interesting uh, situation <laughs> yeah. and a fun conversation with my, was it the project... Uh, who had management yeah management yeah uh, basically like hey can i have my job back um <laughs> so i basically worked a couple more months and then uh moved back home uh with the idea that i would be having like six months off is sort of like mm. a, a time to recharge gotcha. so after like a month of that um i forgot that oh yeah i had this character i started i should probably finish it um so i messaged my sister who lives in um, wisconsin to get a recording of my nephew Lucas uh, just saying some things about spiders. <laughs> uh, and the funny thing is awesome. the whole project almost didn't happen because I couldn't 
edit the audio down to anything that made any sense. <laughs> I was on the verge of saying, ah, forget it. This is dumb. And then uh, the last second, I pieced it together and it made enough sense, enough of a narrative that I'm like, okay, I can, I can work with this. Wow. Um, so then I uh, animated it. Um, I think I first posted it on uh, Vimeo. And then I had a friend uh, tell me, he's like, dude, you should put this on YouTube. I think this can go viral. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> it's never going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But okay, whatever. <laughs> um, and then in addition to that, I took a um, took an image of the character and put it on a site called Imager. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a yeah. site that I go to a lot just for sort of creative inspiration. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a sub-channel called Aw, A-W-W. Okay. It's just cute things. So, mm. like, I, remember, I would go there like three times a day and just see whatever viral post is up on the front page. Um, so I posted an image there, and uh, I remember that night it went viral. It went to the front page, like six row of the front page, and I remember thinking, this is the best. This is the most viral I will ever be in my life. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> You've peaked. I've, that's it. <laughs> um, and then there it just started to grow and grow and grow. Like, I think after the third day it hit, hit a million. By then I shared it with Board Panda and other uh, content. What would you call board Panda? I don't know. What is is that a? Are they like kind of like an agency that helps spread? No, they they basically they're like the Dodo or or like gotcha. Unilad. Yeah, that yeah. post a lot of art, viral stuff. Um, mm. It's like yes, and Rick Ralph too. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's like her job, and yeah. I'm blanking on it too. Obviously, we are so trendy and with it right now. I yeah. know, shoot, <laughs> I feel like there is a term for it. Oh, it'll come to me later. Yeah, well, maybe we should backpedal a little bit because we had so many questions about like how like the logistics of making this thing. Because you you know you just said oh I just yeah animated a character yeah. like. <laughs> That yeah. let's break that down. Like you had to model a spider, which you said you you got from that picture. That was kind of your inspiration, right? And then you modeled that in like Maya, I'm assuming. Yes. And then you you rigged it, and you just how did you learn? Do you always know how to rig, or did you look up guides? I'm like a generalist with everything in 3D. Um, I know enough of it that if I need to know more, I know kind of where to go and what to base everything off of. Mm-hmm. Um, very useful. Is that coming from your like education, like Academy of Art, or is that a lot of it self-taught? Or well, I, I started. I think the reason I became an animator was when I was eleven. I took a summer art class, mm-hmm. and there wasn't ever a question of what I wanted to do. It was just three D animation. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! And um, when I went to school, I, I thought that that's what it meant to be an animator to do just to do everything in 3d uh-huh. it wasn't until like year three where they said no you have to pick a discipline and, and specialize oh so you had like this concept that you were just going to be like a 3d guy doing yeah all oh that's mm-hmm. super interesting mm-hmm. so do you feel like you're all of the knowledge you have now it was very like project inspired like you didn't necessarily think okay i want to become like a master at rigging at this or whatever it was just i want to make this character and then you kind of went down the path and and in doing that you've you've learned all these things um yeah i mean well i I wanted to i wanted the challenge of x gen Um, okay sure you know at the time you see a lot of characters uh like student level characters online it's very you know flat lambert shaded Mm -hmm. hair and yeah, I kind of want to take it to another level, so mm-hmm. that was one area I wanted to focus on. Um, for rigging, 
I got a uh, an auto rig tool that um yeah it basically had did everything I needed to do. It's not the yeah. best rig in the world, but um it it's fast and it gets by. Huh. Cool. Nice. I'm curious, did you ever encounter like technical limitations? Like I've always wondered what's the best computer to have at home and how do you render things at, from home and that kind of thing? How do you handle all that? Um, well, let me put it this way. For the first <laughs> five episodes, I couldn't figure out why the X, why random X-Gen hairs were just twitching. <laughs> they, were just, um, uh, they were just jittering back and forth. So mm. for every episode for about 50 hours, maybe not 50 hours, 20 maybe, um, I had to, in Photoshop, take every frame, paint oh. out hundreds of hairs. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> but it was, it was wow. one of those things where, like, I, I went so far and I already tried to figure out a solution under the hood, but I'm not that technical, so I couldn't figure it out. And I just said, this is the only way it gets done. <laughs> I have to do this. <laughs> oh Good Lord. Was it only you working on it, or did you ever tap any outside folks for help? Uh, no, it's just me. I mean, I've kind of learned that it's really hard to rely on other people to for for anything if they're not also invested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it just never works out. Like even if you pay, you always get a sort of half-assed, uh, yeah, you know, job something that <laughs> for the money. Yeah. You know. yeah. Which it's is, better to consult people who have the expertise to ask them questions about how to fix it. Because mm-hmm. then that's that's easy for them. They could just talk. Um, I think yeah. that is a pretty pro tip right there, actually. Just in, you know, how much more valuable just networking and, and knowing talented people is mm-hmm. versus hiring a bunch of people for, you know, especially with a lot of students listening to this, all probably trying to make their own stuff. Um I remember just being in school, I always felt like it was such a limitation of like, okay, I don't really have any funds, but I need to have all these people on my team and stuff. And yeah, maybe it would have helped out a lot if I just did more that method of, no, I'm just going to go to people who I think are really good and, you know, have them talk me through things rather than officially hiring a team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That also um, helps change how you think about projects. So when I graduated, I had a lot of energy to do short films. Um, thought that I would be an animator in the industry and then a short filmmaker on the side. And then I realized very quickly the amount of work it takes to do a good short is just, it's just impossible. You can't, you can't have a job and do that as well. Um, so all my ideas, um, I sort of think of it like, like popcorn entertainment, really short snippets that are just really entertaining for a few seconds. And, then, uh, and limited in scope. Yeah. So you don't get overwhelmed with a million things. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you can make something very small look really good as opposed to mm-hmm. um, something long that's sort of meh. Yeah. yeah. So on the topic of, you know, kind of motivating yourself to to make something and staying on track and, and yeah, kind of the scope of a project and what's realistic outside of work. I'm interested when you were working on Lucas the Spider and like you said you're spending 20 plus hours in Photoshop painting out individual hairs like how did you keep yourself motivated through that or did you have like specific deadlines for yourself or how how did that all work uh well because I only I knew I only had um uh at that time I only had 4 or 5 months left of free time mm-hmm. so my thought was uh after the first video went viral I have all this time I have the assets I should 
keep making more. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so my goal is just to make as many episodes, many episodes as I could um, before I went back. Um, before I went back to work. Um, so my my goal was to make it every, one every three weeks. Hmm. Wow. wow. From yeah. render animation, like everything, and like editing. Yeah. Three weeks. Oh wow. That's it. A lot. Usually took about a week to get the idea, to get the recording, to set up or create any assets I needed. Um, the hardest part was always animation that always took uh, a week to two weeks to do. Mm-hmm. You know, each episode is the early episodes were about 450 frames, but then towards the end I was getting up to like 800. Mm-hmm. And then the one man band episode that was like 5,000 frames of animation. Cause that's 1200 frames times five. More or less. Wow. Mm, oh my gosh. Um, it's just, it's just knowing that I had something, I had an opportunity there. Um, and, if I didn't take full advantage of it, then I would be wasting it, you know? Sure. Gotcha. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, as it kept growing, there just, there's just more opportunities for things. Um, you know, by the fifth episode, um, we had started partnering with a, um, a group that's partnered with YouTube called, uh, Teespring and they are a service that helps, uh, sell merchandise to, um, like integrated with the channel. So we started thinking about selling shirts, mm-hmm. making poses, putting me on shirts, selling that. And there just always felt like another step to take. And it was always exciting. So it was easy to stay motivated. Gotcha. How many hours would you say you were working on it? Like, was it very much a full-time job? Did it like exceed a full-time job, <laughs> like a, a normal 40-hour week? Or My life was basically wake up, take Dexter to a local coffee shop, <laughs> have coffee with Dexter. <laughs> go back home and just I'm on my computer until until nighttime and wow just all day ba- basically yeah any hour I'm not hanging out with friends or going to a can release or working out I'm I was working on it gotcha jeez maybe having that because you knew you were going to be hired at a certain point you had like a limited time was that yeah is that right I wonder if that helps knowing that like there's I have this limited time I'm going to get hired at this place soon so you're not just doing this forever. You're like, I, des- I better maximize yeah. the time. Yeah, there's, I mean, I also truly love doing it. So just making art in 3D is like a hobby for me. So, um, you know, it was easy just to keep going. That's awesome. For a- <laughs> adulting, do you have any tips just on, like, were you where were you living when you were doing this? Did you have to, like, budget for you know, normal adult things like the bills and food. How do you, how do you saved up money to kind of get through this period? And, oh, yeah. um, yeah. So, um, <laughs> so I was on the East coast. I'd moved back, um, to LA where I grew up and I was actually, actually crashing in my parents' place in mm-hmm. South Pasadena, um, for, for about five months. It, was, it all, this, this five month break was all, uh, it was for five months of work, five months of, being on my own, you know. Yeah. So it was just uh, it was just nice to be home. You mentioned uh, a little bit earlier about your computer. Um, how, what was your computer situation like? Ah, uh, so I started when I started making it. I had a laptop, which was a pretty beefy laptop, but laptops are still underpowered compared to desktops. Hmm. Um, the the big thing I needed was processing cores because you need cores to render. Um, so I started with a four core laptop. Um, had that for for a couple of months after the I think I made the first two episodes on the laptop. Um and they decided, you know what? If I'm gonna be serious about this, I need a better computer. I'm gonna get an eight core computer. 
So I went out and bought one. And this is right around the time where I turned the corner and started making uh, like real money out of this. Mm. Um, it's like, no, I need a better computer now. I'm going to build one with 18 cores. Oh, snap. <laughs> I it up there, I got a better computer. And then it wasn't too long before I was making even more money. Like, no, I need a better one. So I've got a 30-core <laughs> computer. So it's just been oh exponential God. growth wow. every course. Yeah. <laughs> we should link to whatever you had out of curiosity. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember I was trying to figure out what computer I needed to do stuff at home, and I, I definitely got pretty lost trying to navigate that. Although it's, we should say... Nobody is sponsoring us out of yes. <laughs> if anyone's curious. But <laughs> how was it when it went viral? Like, were you, I'm just curious to hear more about the excitement of that happening. Like, were you checking things constantly and were people sending you things that you hadn't heard from in a while? Or I'm just curious about what your life was like as things kind of blew up. Um, I guess there's just so much to react to just, uh, people reaching out to you, um, yeah, I remember when someone uh, showed me a picture of his the, the Lucas the Spider tattoo he got. Oh my gosh! Like, oh. oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> wow! Fan art. Awesome. Um, you know, you post something, you see, you know, million views, you see subscribers, you know, mm-hmm. you know, hundred thousand or yeah, hundred thousand subscribers within, uh, I think it was a month. Wow! Which gets you a silver button in the YouTube world, which a lot of people will, will spend like years and years to, to you know, build up to that and you, if they ever do. Um, what is the silver button? Is this just like a visual thing or is, you, is it a feature that you get in YouTube? Uh, it's like a plaque that just says, you made uh, it to 100,000 subscribers. You know, oh, you are also verified on Instagram. You have the blue check mark on Instagram, <laughs> which means you're the real deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that was practical. Oh, so another thing about the whole viral aspect is that people everywhere are like posting your content um, it's so hard to sort out like who's actually a fan that just wants to share something that they love and who's trying to rip you off. Oh, mm. yeah. Uh-huh. It's so funny when you ask that question now, it's just so overwhelming because like I was just in reactionary mode for like five months. Mm-hmm. Like every email, every um, milestone, um, it was all just what do I do now? You know? Okay. Like, yeah. Mm. And so now to think about it, I, th- I feel like my brain is like... There's just a million million threads that I can go down. Start a conversation. Yeah, I would love to hear more about the process of actually making the plush and sort of all the details that go into that. Like, how many prototypes did you go through, and was there a back and forth? Like, what what sorts of assets were you sending to the puppet maker you mentioned, and then finding a factory? Just and anything and everything you can mention about that process. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mentioned that um, I had a friend. Who knew a friend who made a, a prototype? Um, so basically, um, and then and then once I got to a certain size, I'm like, you know what, I can't do this alone. So then I, I basically had to find a, I guess a, a factory to to make them. And so I went to Google <laughs> and typed in uh, custom. Pl- I forgot what I searched, but I basically <laughs> came across a company called Custom Plush, mm-hmm. which makes um, basically just plushes for um, kind of individual level orders okay so anywhere from a thousand to fifty thousand i think mm. those are the bracket of orders you can wow. go through um and right around this time i knew that teespring who I had started selling shirts with can distribute so the challenge mm-hmm. was okay let's let's build the prototype with custom plush and then um 
do the Kickstarter. And at the time, we were going to do a Kickstarter, but then Teespring was like, no, we can do that too. We were actually built as a pre-ordering um, platform. So, hmm. so we started with the prototype. Um, I basically sent what the artist, the, the toy, um, toy maker had started, sent it to um, the company with more notes. Um, and that took a couple months, just a lot of back and forth of you tell the company what you're looking for. They have to send it because it's all done in China. So the factories are making the prototype. Mm. They make it, take photos, send it back to the company, which sends it back to me. And then I give notes. And it's a difficult process because you have a language barrier to deal with. You also have okay. time zones. Um, mm. Basically, any note, even if it's a small one, would take a week to do. Wow. Which got really annoying because it's <laughs> there was a color that's off. And in my mind, I'm like, why would you choose that? And then it's like, well, it'll be... A uh, week and a half. To oh, no. Yeah, all right. But it did help because as we were doing the whole prototype, Lucas kept growing, 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 growing. Mm. Like I kept passing, uh, you know, 600,000 subscribers, a million subscribers, which triggers the gold button. Oh. One and a half million, two million. <laughs> um, so after months of developing prototype and getting to a point that uh, – that that we all loved um they shipped it over to me and then i basically made a video about it and launched a sort of kickstarter-esque campaign through teespring okay and through 30 days it was basically a pre-order that the money made from that would go directly to, to fund or to, to buy the plushies mm -hmm. and then when they um and then when they were done uh it was like a hundred day turnaround we would ship it all out gotcha Wow. wow. So yeah, it's all it's you know, once you find the the companies to do the work and the distributor, it's all just a matter of common sense. You know, it goes back to the whole every day you're just solving a series of problems and um you just keep going until you're at the end. What sorts of notes came up? Were they things like, Oh, this material doesn't feel soft <laughs> enough or like I'm just curious what kinds of things came up that you were really pushing for. I just imagine that first prototype was like a frog. And you're like, oh, God, not quite. Like, <laughs> yeah, the first prototype, the, the legs were too long. Um, okay. They, they were basing it off a 3D model I sent to them. But mm -hmm. um, in 3D, when you post things, you in 3D, it's easy because you don't have to take into account volume. Mm -hmm. So, like, I pose Lucas the Spider so that it looks good in 3D from a silhouette. But mm -hmm. um, in order to do that, you would... If you were to build a realistic-looking leg, you would have to actually make it much shorter. I see. Because when yeah. you bend it, that material has to, material has to go someplace. Um, mm. See, so has a lot of like leg length, uh, getting the legs to hold their shape, um, like like mm. posed. Mm -hmm. um, actually, there, there's one plush that um, it was the the Winston dog from the short feast from Disney. Mm. Mm. That was the most on-model plush I've ever seen <laughs> for a short. But um, every limb is just perfectly sculpted to look exactly like the character. Mm -hmm. Wow. So that was, I kept pointing to that as like, no, make it, get get the, the shape language kind of like this. Okay. And the other yeah. thing was um, <laughs> color. Like um, <laughs> you have to, making a plush is, is surprisingly hard because you have to <laughs> dumb it down in a way. You have to make mm -hmm. it simple. Um, you know, we needed to find a fur that that um, represented the sort of the white furs I had in, in 3D. 
So for the body, had one fur, and then for the face mask, because it was shorter, shorter fur in, in the 3D, we had to pick a different fur. And uh, it was so hard to uh, find the right um, the right Pantone color for the face. Okay. They had to make a custom color, because the shade of brown we were looking for was just so rare that they couldn't, couldn't find it. Mm. Um, but yeah, just, just little things like that, placement of eyes, can you make it bigger... Um, to basically everything. That's, yeah. Cool. yeah. Just so interesting to hear about that. It's cool because uh, I remember when I was on Zootopia, I would I would thumb around the marketing uh, folders at work to just see what it looks like to give notes on, on plushies and whatnot. And uh, you see some early prototypes and the kind of notes they would give. And yeah, it's just like 3D. You're doing drawovers, you know. It's like, oh, make it like this. Make, you know. It's like you have to capture the essence you have to caricature it rather than copy what it is. Mm-hmm. Right. I imagine that once money gets involved, you must start to have to navigate a lot of various legal things that arise. Like how do you copyright something and intellectual property things that you have to deal with? And how, yeah. how do you learn about all of that? Um, well, it helped that my sister, so Lucas's mom is a, uh, is a, a lawyer. Oh, so, hey. Oh, wow. <laughs> Um, not, she didn't, she didn't specialize in, uh, I guess this type of law, but, um, it definitely helped out. She had a general understanding of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, no, I think learning about copyrights and trademark, um, it became important just to establish, uh, the, the platform because early on that was the goal. It's, it's, how do you build up one specific area for, for the whole character to live, you know, so people know, oh, if there's going to be a new episode, it'll come from, from here. Mm-hmm. Because when it first went viral, everyone's sharing it. It's unclear. Um, Where it lives. Yeah. It's uh, who, who, own, like, yeah, what no is origin. this thing? <laughs> yeah. So you had to use copyrights and understand um, how that works just to enforce it when someone's reposting your video or gotcha. maybe someone's made a, Facebook page um, using Lucas Spider name, Instagram. Uh-huh. Um, so it's just a lot of, you know, on the fly learning how copyright law is established. Um, you know, apparently when you when you put something up on YouTube, you're already given an automatic copyright just by virtue of you can prove that you're the first one to create it. Oh, oh. Tra- trademarks a little bit different. You actually have to um, trademark basically protects your name in a marketplace. Um, oh, okay, but you have to specify the marketplace, huh? Which okay. is which is, you know be really specific, uh, which is interesting. Uh, Can you give an example of what the marketplace is for Lucas the Spider? Um, I'll give give you an example. The... So on YouTube, um, when a lot of a lot of people were making videos that were either spoofing, either spoofing Lucas the Spider or using um, my artwork to mm. make something something new. Um, one of them was uh, it was a spoof, but it was really inappropriate. A lot of cursing. It's just not something kids should be watching. Mm. And um, they got a lot of views because they just spammed the words Lucas the Spider everywhere in the post. So okay. any kid looking for Lucas the Spider would see this, watch it, and then and then be disturbed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> you have to get a trademark in order to say that 
the term Lucas the Spider is protected on online. Um, uh, I see. So that no okay. one could use it to get attention. Yeah, think of it like you're in a, you're in a mall and, um, you know, no stores. Uh, I'm trying to think of like a brand like, I don't know, Disney. Like you can't open a store that says Disney because that would be confusing to the real Disney store. Mm, okay. Take away from, yeah, the original. Yeah. Gotcha. Hmm. So many, is it overwhelming all of these, like the nitty gritty logistical things with like, yeah, copyright and like working with Teespring, figuring out how to make a plushie. Like it sounds so, like I imagine for any listener, it'd be like, I don't even know where to begin with this stuff. But you didn't, I guess at the time, you kind of just had to take it day by day and figure stuff out on the way. Right. That's that's the thing that, you know, if, if it's your own project, your own baby, like that's the only thing you could really do is take it by day by day and. You know, animation is just a series of, um, you know, problem solving one after another. Mm, that's very true. And so this is very similar. It's like, except you just have weirder problems mm. that you just have to, you know, research and mm-hmm. figure out to the best of your ability. Was taxes an issue? I'm just curious, like with like getting money. I don't. It, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, is it like yeah. freelance? I mean, I don't even know. You um, get to get an account. I'm I'm assuming. So what I did there is I created a business called Lucas the Spider Inc. Just as a way to manage keeping um, business money and personal money separate. Ah, uh, okay. And then after I did that, I hired an accountant that takes care of my taxes. Gotcha. gotcha. And so you. I don't know if we're jumping ahead a little bit here, but did you, you eventually sold the idea for Lucas the Spider and you uh, gave basically the right to another company to, to kind of take over and do episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, how was that? So, so basically, um, as I was making this, I was always so conscious of the idea or the, just the thought of how do I, how do I get off this treadmill? Because that's what it feels <laughs> like when you make, um, when you're, Actually, any YouTube creator, it's just mm-hmm. the burnout is real. You mm-hmm. post something and immediately have to get work on something on something else. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any graceful way to just stop doing it or to take a break? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because the nature of being viral is it's all it starts to drop off um, the minute you stop you stop participating. Yeah. Right. So if you're absent for too long, you kind of you know the fire is no longer hot and the the moment's lost. Mm. Um, so I didn't know, I, I knew that I didn't want to do this for the rest of my life. Um, you know, I wanted to work on other projects, but I understood that it was an opportunity that I needed to take advantage of. Um, so I was always listening to, uh, I got a couple of offers from, uh, various, various places. Um, one company up in, uh, Canada who specializes in children's TV shows, Fresh TV, um, they they were very clear that they wanted the character and they had envisioned uh, a future for it, like mm, mm-hmm. kids television. So that just seemed like a perfect fit to, uh, you know, have my fun being on YouTube, posting, getting lots of views, telling stories, and then handing it off and just hoping that it can grow. Mm-hmm. Super exciting probably to get to that level where people want to buy your idea and sell it or you sell it to them. Yeah, awesome. it's also, it's hard because it's hard to know what the right choices are. Yeah. You know, there, there's certain, com- I don't want to name specific companies by name, but it took a few visits before you realize, oh, you know what, I'm not so sure mm. I like what's happening here. 
So you're trying to sort, well, are they my friend? Are they trying to take something away? Like mm, the politics and all that too. Yeah, that's sort of the theme throughout it all. It's it's that's your, you know, because you need to partner with people to to kind of make things grow. Uh, but it's just hard to it's hard to know when they they if it's a good person to partner up mm. with, you know, or you have ulterior not. motives. Yeah. <laughs> are you willing to discuss sort of? any of the details of the deal you struck and how you negotiated that deal. And did you use a lawyer for that? And it helped that my sister was a lawyer so she could look it over. And, uh, we also showed the contract to, um, an entertainment lawyer, um, and everything sort of checked out. I guess a lot of the language in there was sort of boilerplate, you mm-hmm. know, it, stuff that happens a lot. Um, so my deal is basically, based on a, uh, a percent. So I get a percent of earnings okay. for a lifetime. Um, however big it grows. Mm. Um, oh, in the beginning. So what happens is if, if you sell something to, a, to, if you sell a character to like an IP to a company, um, there's something called the option to buy. And the way I understand it is that they, they basically secure the option to, to, buy an IP and then they go shop around and then they tell um, other investors, you know, like, Hey, we can pull the trigger on this. Um, at any moment, we just need to hash out a deal and a plan for, for a series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the option fee comes with a little bit of money. And then once they actually execute it and buy the character outright, that triggers a big chunk of change. Mm. Gotcha. And then from there on out, it's a, it's a percent of profit. Gotcha. Paid. It's like a holding deposit that they give you up until they actually buy it. Right. Basically. Yeah. And the option, I think it lasts for me, it lasted, uh, it was a year and then, uh, they would have to pay more money to have the option for another year. So Mm -hmm. if they, if they, uh, didn't do anything with it, it'd basically come back to me. Gotcha. Cool. So I imagine with this level of fame and going viral, it comes with, Obviously, we've you know mentioned some challenges already, but not even to speak of things like I'm sure you had trolls to deal with. I'm sure there's a challenge to then start to identify yourself with Lucas the, Lucas the Spider, and it might be tricky to kind of draw the line between your self worth as a person and like how you know the literally the the analytics of your videos and how many likes and views you're getting and. I know that it's a huge question right there, like how to deal with the internet and the digital age in your life. But could you talk a little bit about that? Just kind of the, some of the challenges that came up and. How you yeah. Them? Yeah. It's interesting with, with tracking uh, views and likes is um, I sort of saw that as a tool of how my ideas were sort of uh, being perceived, not as like a, Oh, do they like me? But like, is this, uh, am I growing? Am I, Am I going down a good path? Mm, um, mm-hmm. But I will say it, it does it does start to creep into your mind once you stop. And if you get used to a certain like attention and you get less of it, it sort of makes you anxious. And then you have to stop and be like, oh, no, like this is just, you know, you have to reassure yourself that uh, not to focus on, on things that don't matter, you know. Yeah. Mm. Um, and the first part you asked, oh, trolls, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? The trolls are fun. So, like, <laughs> I remember um, after the second episode, there's this one comment I read where this guy goes, your audio will always be shit. And I'm like, okay, all right. 
So then after that, I figured out how to get rid of noise in a video, how to get <laughs> um, mics, and how to up my game. He's oh, a wow. whole so, troll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the most overly done audio your next episode <laughs> just to like be like i'm gonna prove this guy wrong <laughs> like morgan freeman opens up the, <laughs> the oh my god <laughs> yeah i'd say you know comments don't really bother me they're, they're mostly upbeat and and mm -hmm. um inspiring um i'd say the, the the biggest sort of hurdle to cross was um so some some user had taken um image of one of my episodes and made a an ancillary character called a daddy spider is basically a spider that looks just like lucas only older and he was looking for his son lucas and um posted this video it, to me i looked at it and it was a spoof and or, or like a a parody and i'm like okay that's all right that's cute that's fine but then he kept going and made more episodes and um, it got to a point where it's like, okay, this is not becoming parody anymore. You're basically creating this ancillary character. And um, actually, it was mostly fresh TV that when I told them about it, they're like, oh, no, 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 no. We got to shut these guys down. Like, this is, this is from their legal point of view, like, really bad. Mm. Um, so, had some conversations to uh, reach out to them, you know, and get them to, you know, shut it down and putting in the copyright complaints with YouTube and basically finally took them all down and then posted the sob story about how I'm this evil um, guy trying to shut down his hard work and this and that. And it sent just this avalanche of hate towards my channel. And wow. it was hard to try to sort of wrap my head around. I'm just protecting my, my idea um, with the legal tools I have, you know, I'm just mm -hmm. protecting myself and yet I'm seen as the bad guy. Mm. Sure. And that was, you know, the first time it really hit me that, uh, you can do everything right and not everyone will like you, mm -hmm. but, but not just that, like people would be really pissed at you and yeah. like every video you post, they'll, they'll post comments about how I killed daddy spider and I'm a horrible person and took a few months for that to sort of like, fade away but gotcha. uh geez those comments were wow. very triggering yeah I'm sure yeah imagine there, there's one video of someone who explained the situation and it was so hard just to like not go in the comments and be like oh my gosh like the you're breaking the law like this is copyright law exists to protect yeah you, anyway. from this exact thing yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i feel like the outside perspective of having something that goes viral and makes a lot of money is like oh you're living the dream um, but I feel like life is so relative, you know, the, the, the highs and lows of the, the days and the weeks are all the same. Mm. Um, there's this perception that because I have this thing that my life is way more glamorous and, and, and happy that if I didn't have it, um, but you know, there, there's memories of when I was a trainee at Disney that I was probably like, couldn't possibly be happier, mm. you know? Um, so I think sometimes having too much choice can be bad. You know, mm. prior to Luke's Spider, my life was simple. I needed money to pay for rent. So <laughs> I applied for jobs that I wanted to work at, um, in a city that I wanted to be and just hope for the best and just kept following that trail. Now it's like, okay, I have 
if something happens with my position at Disney, I have some flexibility. But with that flexibility, do I want to go down that path? It's just, <laughs> it could be all of a, like, paralyzing. I think you have to be willing, you have to be prepared for it to go big. Like, you have to know where you stand from a, from a long-term goal kind of perspective. Because uh, the, the companies that make it, they make it because their their CEO is just relentlessly um, trying to make it all work. Like, there's a documentary of Bill Gates that's like, oh my gosh. Like, you think like, oh, he's just this guy that just led Microsoft from afar. Like, no, that guy every single day was programming, was problem solving. Like, mm. he was... He's in it. Yeah. 100%. And if you don't have the energy for that, it's it's a tough thing to to force. Mm-hmm. What does your nephew think of everything? I'm so curious to hear his perspective. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, gee, Lucas. Yeah. I, th- I think uh, I think it worked out because he was at an age where it didn't get to his head. Okay. Um, it even got to a point where um, after one of the episodes I posted, it, he asked me, or I was Skyping with him, he's like, did you watch the latest Lucas the Spider episode? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Awesome. Many times over. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's cool. Actually, I don't think we mentioned it, but um, when we were selling the plushies, um, we set aside a percent to go to his college account. That's so because awesome. of the plushies, he now has his college account taken care of. Wow. Which, that is um, remarkable. That was a big thing because we're trying to figure out how do you compensate a kid for his, his voice acting? in a way that wouldn't spoil him and mm-hmm. ruin him as a human being. <laughs> you, know, like, you turn 18 and here's like tens of thousands of dollars. That's awfully corruptible. So <laughs> putting it in a college account where uh, that would, it was probably the best thing to do. That's yeah. amazing. Nice. Very cool. Did Fresh TV have to hire a new voice actor? Do you know, or, um, if they make a TV show, they will have to recast. Okay. But um, um, it might. I'm not sure what how how they're going to do it. Um, but it's going to be reinvented in some way. It just I has see. to be because it's a TV show. It's going to be longer. Going to be more characters, and I haven't. I mean, now that I'm at Disney, it's the conflict of interest to be doing business with uh, both sides. Mm-hmm. So when I went back to Disney, I sort of uh, uh stopped. Uh, consulting with them so i'm not I sure see. where they are now but mm-hmm. um you know you you look at the story of uh despicable me and how it how it came to be with illumination and the artists that pitched it um you know the concept is still in despicable me but a lot of things have changed so um it'll be interesting to see what changes and what stays mm-hmm. but i know that the voice actor will have to change so, Josh, I'm interested with the success of Lucas the Spider. Were there any opportunities you weren't really expecting that came along for you? Yeah, I got a, a, a lot of job opportunities, a lot of uh, representatives from, you know, hi, um, recruitment from studios asking uh, if I'd like to work for their company, um, which, which is so funny to me because, like, I feel like as far as animation goes, my skill level is comparable with pretty much everyone at Disney, yet I got all this extra attention because I had made this on the side. Mm-hmm. It just felt, uh, it was just so weird to just wrap my head around all the extra 
you know, attention. You were the hot new thing. Everyone wanted a piece of you. <laughs> yeah. They wanted a slice of Josh slice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, what, what is nice is that prior to this happening, I sort of always had a little bit of fear of would I be able to have stability in a city um, if I wanted to and, and find work. And I think, um, I think now it's a different story. I would have a much easier time finding work as opposed to uh, uh, three years ago. Maybe. Mm-hmm. So, Josh, many people don't know that you actually still work for studios. You are a very talented animator at Disney Animation. And despite um, all the success with Lucas the Spider, you know, you could technically, you know, just do work on your own projects and make money that way. So I'm sure people are curious, like, why do you still work for studios? Um, for me personally, I just wouldn't do well if I was living at home, um, every day of the year. It just, mm-hmm. I need to be part of a team, but then I don't want to create my own team because I don't want to have the financial stability or the responsibility of paying them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and then I realize, like if I start studio again, what's your end game? You, you're either going to expand until you're huge or you're going to fail and everyone has to find a new job. So I didn't like where we go. <laughs> mm. um, that makes sense. So yeah, I just, um, it's just, you know, I, the way I look at animation and art is just, it's like puzzles. It's here's an animation, figure out this mm-hmm. puzzle. And at Disney, you're just constantly handed the best puzzles in the world <laughs> to solve, mm-hmm. you know, one after another. Um, so it's just a very fun and rewarding place to, to work. Looking back is there anything that really stands out as something that you wish you had known when you were going through it and that you would advise for anybody new who's seeking to create content like students? If you're out there and you're making content, the, the first thing you got to do is don't do it for the money. Do it because you love the art mm-hmm. because you just don't know what will catch on and what won't. And if it doesn't catch on um, the way you, you would you would want, well, at least you got something out of it because you love what you're doing, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's awesome. Make it, make it be bonus that, that it it took off, you know, because there's a thing where, you know, when I started, it was all really exciting, personal project, love what I was doing. And then as time went on, it just became more and more work. Mm. And now I'm just doing work because I need to feed the machine and make money and, and all of a sudden, the energy I started out with is sort of waning. And that's sort of hmm. that also goes back to why I go back to studios is because I need that constant uh, creative refresh. Mm-hmm. Totally. So, yeah, I'd say if you're if you're out there and you want to make make your own work, uh, sort of the content, uh, just gravitate towards what you love. And then if you have an idea that does take off, that's when you go to your next goal, which is building the platform. You know, people need to know where to go to, to get more of it. Mm. Um, and that goes back to, well, now you got to learn copyright, uh, trademark, so you can enforce, you know, the usage of your, of your art. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you talked about how you made Lucas by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if I'm a student right now and I have this great idea and I w- want to do exactly what you did, would you tell them to do it themselves or ideally, or would you say, you know, partner up with some people? It seems like you maybe prefer to work alone if possible? I only have a few people that I, I really would trust to work with. Mm. Um, one of them I worked with on some episodes on Luke's the Spider. But for the most part, I mean, you'll you'll get more when when you're doing it. You'll get a $1.50 for every dollar you spend. But when you have to 
hire someone, you get 50 cents for every dollar. So yeah, if you're a student, it's definitely just, uh, just keep, keep learning, you know? <laughs> yeah. Another thing, like if the best way to sort of fast track your learning is get into a, like a big studio, Disney, DreamWorks, um, Sony, cause, uh, you, you, you'll grow just by seeing our artists around you. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you'll see uh, submissions of animations and you'll you'll watch it. You'll be inspired and your bar will raise so that when you're doing an animation, you know, you're not finished until it's comparable to the people around you. Mm. And that just keeps you striving. And just everything you see from the uses of color to line work of a drawing to character design, it just all makes you better. I think that's a good tip, like surrounding yourself. It doesn't need to be going to Disney or DreamWorks or Pixar or whatever, but surrounding yourself with people who are really good and just yeah, getting inspired by bar. them. Raising your bar, yeah. Yeah, and I've heard people that say that, you know, they might be in a good job when they're making a lot of money, but they don't feel like they're growing. Mm-hmm. And so they'll leave just for that reason. Um, so, I, I, you know, leave it up to the person to to know that generally not good to, to stagnate. There is something you kind of mentioned before about trying to produce like shorter, like more limited scope content, but at a very high, high production quality. And is that a tip that you would advise or want to elaborate on? Yeah. So, um, actually I kind of look at, uh, you know, making something on, on the internet, like going by this 15 second rule that if whatever you're posting doesn't captivate the viewer within 15 seconds, they will click on something else. <laughs> so you either have to make the quality incredible from beginning to end, or just do something shorter that's just uh, more manageable and at a very high quality. Um, I think I didn't realize how much of a skill, kind of a learned skill that is that was until mm-hmm. um, I took a class in college. Um, Basically, Pixar animators taught class at the school I went to. It was basically like the honors animation class. And by Pixar 3, you have 1, 2, and 3. And 3 is everyone did a short film to the... Um, it's it's a, it's called The Waltz. It's a type of song that's um, it's been dubbed over 100 times of di- different instruments. And uh, we were all tasked to do a 30-second short. And uh, it was an interesting challenge because uh, you had to basically cut out all the fat and under, you start to wrap your head around what are storytelling moments and how do you condense an idea so that it's super efficient. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I mean, how I approach an online episode is basically the same principle, you know, just straight to the point. Don't waste anyone's time. It's just uh, don't waste frames. I guess it just for people that are new to animation, it might be worthwhile just to mention, like, what does it mean to limit the scope of an animated short like i we probably all know just because we work in animation but for someone who's new like there are very objective things like limiting the number of characters and number of props and all of that and less time animation yeah. style so are there ways that you look specifically to limit that scope yeah i think making good props or assets takes up so much time and uh you can either make it or you can buy it or have someone make it for you and then you pay you, but it's just, it's all expensive and it takes forever. Mm-hmm. And, um, what really worked out with Lucas is that I was able to buy a nice camera and then shoot live action plates and then just render on top of that. So the only uh, okay. assets I needed were, um, the plate from the camera 
And for those who know what a plate is, it's basically just a, um, it's footage of a live action that you can animate to. How did you navigate um, just purchasing the various software licenses you would need? And were there any quirks that kind of arose as you went from being an individual to having a company and making money and all of that? Now, the, most programs now are subscription-based, which yeah. is great because uh, to buy standalone copies was unaffordable. Yeah. Mm. Especially as students, like no one did it because no one could afford it. Mm. Like people just struggled to get the computer that they were going to animate with, let alone buying five different pieces of software. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, um, so yeah, I got Maya, which is a subscription base, which isn't that much. Mm. And then render man is free for individuals. Okay. So there, there was a point where I was like, you know what? I'm starting to make money. I should buy this. <laughs> and that's also, I think it was a yearly fee. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like 600 bucks for a year, um, which is totally worth it. Um, so, yeah, that's all I need. Maya, uh, the Adobe Suite, which I think is like 50 bucks a month, mm-hmm. and uh, RenderMan. Cool. So, Josh, we know you are working on something really exciting that has actually recently been released. It's called Comet Tales. Yeah. We'd love for you to plug that, talk about it. We'll link to it in our show notes. What is Comet Tales? Um, so basically, uh, so two parts to it. The first part was as we were making Lucas a spider, um, Lucas's younger brother, William, really wanted a character of his own. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) And, uh, the funny thing is his personality, I think is better suited towards voice acting because he has the personality that will just talk and talk and talk. (laughs) I thought you were going to say towards comets. It'll be interesting (laughs) to see like their personalities when they grow up. I have a feeling William is going to be like, sort of like the drama kid. So not like drama is a bad, but like the sort of theater kid. Theater, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, Lucas might be like a computer nerd. Um, <laughs> so we'll see how that that pans out. They, <laughs> they both grow up. Um, so yeah, and and um, I knew that I had them back in my mind. Like, could we make him a character? And um, there was one night that I was hanging out with some of Melissa's friends who um, were, were all geologists, and we were looking at rocks. And uh, I was looking at a piece of comet, or not comet, uh, an asteroid, and um, they were saying how uh, it's like, yeah, this this form, this rock was from the early universe, so it's really old, but it's been floating there pretty much untouched for all this time. Hmm. Um, and I thought, oh man, that's a pretty lonely existence. <laughs> I should make a character out of that. <laughs> so that char- that idea was sort of in my mind for a while. Um, and now that uh, my nephews are quickly growing up, realized, well, if I'm going to do it, I have to do it now before they grow up um, so that William can have his character. Aww. That's amazing. Does everyone in your family get a character? Um, <laughs> if there's time, I wish there was more time. Yeah. <laughs> I wish 3D wasn't so hard. It was just oh my gosh, yeah. to do anything at a high level. It just takes so much time to fine tune it and... Yes. Yeah, actually, going back to the whole uh, studio question, it's like, you know, if you if you have an if you develop an idea at a studio, you have a chance to make that grow in a way that would never grow if you're on your own. Because mm-hmm. if you can get a studio behind your idea, well, now you have professional lighters, riggers, this and that, storytelling, mm-hmm. uh, marketing, everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, are you doing this on the outside of work, and are you approaching it? in the same way you did Lucas or is it, are you doing anything differently? Um, yeah, just sort of outside of work, uh, just been nibbling on it. 
when I'm home, um, I have a couple friends that I'm doing this with, uh, who also really like doing art in the side. Um, and yeah, I'm just sort of taking everything I learned from Lucas the Spider and, and applying it, uh, to this. You know, William Lucas is not my only cousins. So, but we didn't want Lucas to be like the, the, like the star that's famous (laughs) on YouTube. (laughs) So, um, First and foremost, I think I just wanted this to be a, sort of a gift to him, mm-hmm. um, knowing nice. that uh, I can make it uh, all the episodes I know will be just as good from a quality standpoint, and I can tell a bunch of little stories. And whether or not it takes off the level of Luke's Spider or not, I think it'll still be a, a fun thing to take on. Mm-hmm. And it was smart how you made it a comment. There's less legs, or we should say no legs, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a ball, so you can... It's basically eyes and the... the TRS or the the main body that you're animating, so it's pretty nice. Yeah, and so, um, going back to ideas that you can do on your own, like you don't need a lot of assets. You know, we have ideas for characters that'll be interacting with mostly a lot of satellites. Um, you know, um, we might need to replicate some planets as he goes by, but yeah, it's all <laughs> pretty simple stuff to to make hmm. and repeatable. Yeah, yeah. That was, it was also a really fun rig to make. Um, I feel like every character I make, I le- learn something new. And for this one, it was a, 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 a method of rigging that allows for very smooth, I guess, and, and um, uh, free manipulation of like the mouth. Mm. So you can get a very expressive... Um, I th- I'm pretty sure it's the way that studios do it. Mm. Um, you know, mouth corners, sneers, and all that. So it's mm-hmm. another That's... another tool to add to the uh, toolbox, which oh. uh, super exciting to figure out. So obviously, when you were doing most of the Lucas the Spider stuff, like you were saying, it was kind of during this break period in your life where you're you know taking some time to focus on yourself and do your own thing. But now, I mean, Comet Tales is coming out as you're probably knee deep in crunch at Disney and dealing with this and that. And so, how has that been? And, and you know, I imagine there's burnout here and there that you're dealing with, or could you kind of compare and contrast those experiences and talk about how you get through that? Yeah, it's, um, it's kind of the the crisis really. It's, uh, it's asking myself, well, how much time should I be spending outside of work to be making content? Should I be living life? Should I be, um, you know, going home playing video games and, you know, it's tough to navigate when, when, more oper- more choices are now given to me. Um, so I find like things happen in waves for me, like, like inspiration, you know, one second, it's like, I don't want to be making something on a computer. And a couple months later, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I really want to a challenge like that again. Mm-hmm. So I've just sort of, uh, I'm very conscious of my own, like what my mind and body is telling me so that mm-hmm. if I feel like I need a break, um, I'll go into the mode of, you know, I'll have my, my work, uh, Monday through Friday, you know, nine to six, but, um, and then go home and watch Netflix or hang out with friends or play video games. Um, but what helps this time around is I have some friends that are also just as, uh, excited about it. Mm -hmm. So, um, they're taking along, taking on a, a lot of responsibility. 
So in all of our interview podcasts, we like to have a little section called Inside the Animator Studio, very much based off of Inside the Actor Studio, where we want to get to know you a little bit better. So our first question is, is there a particular animated movie that inspired you to get into animation or a piece of animation that inspired you? It's funny. I remember um, seeing the first Toy Story and uh, it never connected that that would be something that I could do. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier, like I, I had a summer art class when I was 11. And to me, it was like Legos and 3D space. <laughs> I was just in a sandbox and I was just like, I'll put a box here and it'll float <laughs> over here and this is on fire. And now, and it's just, <laughs> that's just what I love to do. And uh, um, I just, for years and years and years after school, I mean, that was, that was like basically my fun. You know, my, my, after my sophomore year of high school, I did a summer art experience at the same college I went to. Um, and, uh, for six weeks, um, high school students lived in a dorm, basically lived life as if they were in college. And, um, for the longest time, that was like the best six weeks of my life. It was just imagine for the first time ever being outside of, uh, you know, home with your parents and just, uh, you know, taking classes that you don't care about, you know, <laughs> in high school, middle school, to now being surrounded by like-minded people, artists, taking art classes. It was all just so amazing. Mm. Um, re- really, I think the moment that really clicked that what I would actually be doing in the industry was when Pixar taught at the Academy of Art mm-hmm. and really drilled it into you that, you no know, animation is a very hard thing to do. So you need to go all out into it to, mm-hmm. to make it work. I like your description of, uh, you said what Legos in a 3d world, like you're <laughs> opening up Maya the first time. That's so true. Yeah. If you can do anything. <laughs> you're just, yeah. Was, very relatable. Uh, have you guys used Bryce 3d? No, no. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it, um, well it did, it did landscaping really well. You, you had okay. a mode where you can, um, you could paint a 2d, um, image, um, from a top-down view, and it would make like a mountainscape. It was really good for mm. making mountains and valleys and all that. Mm. And it had um, pretty automatic one-button renders, which um, okay. I mean, they're 1990s renders. <laughs> for a kid, you're like, oh my god, that's so cool. This is amazing. <laughs> so is that your like first exposure to 3D software of any kind, or? Yeah, I still have the first thing I ever animated. Oh my gosh. I remember, oh, so, oh, um, show notes. Show notes. <laughs> we need to have that. I remember after the first week of this class, I went to the teacher like, am I ready for animation? And he goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. I'm going to do it anyway. So I built a rocket. It's this red rocket with the scaffolding. And uh, it just goes up and the scaffolding falls. That's, That's beautiful. Awesome. Yay. <laughs> I and I remember um, I didn't realize that when you move the camera, it would animate the camera. Oh, oh. So, uh, so I had an accidental, the camera would zoom back uh, <laughs> far, then the rocket would go up and sort of fade in. And uh, it was all accidental. It was like a happy accident. I'm like, oh, this works. <laughs> That's awesome. So, Josh, another question for you. I was wondering if there are any general things you wish you had known um, maybe back when you were a student, first getting into this stuff. Well, granted, you were first getting into it when you were basically out of the womb, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> two thirds of my life <laughs> by now. Yeah. I guess my advice would be try to view yourself, um, like a filmmaker first and an animator second. 
Because mm. then if you view yourself as a filmmaker, you'll make all the right choices in your animation. Because a good reel is not about, uh, look at how well I can make this move. It's, look at how well I can make you feel a certain emotion based on a, a scene or mm-hmm. how I can construct an acting moment or get you to think that this character, which is just polygons in space, has some relatable um, qualities to it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Like, it would be so much fun now. Over the years, you'd, you'd come across uh, moments that you experience uh, in real life and you'll go, oh my gosh, that'd be a perfect animation. Mm. <laughs> like that moment is so real and I want to animate it. Sometimes I wonder what a reel would look like if I collected all those those um, memories and put them together on mm-hmm. a acting reel. We have to put your reel in the show notes for everyone to see, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Tip jar! So, Josh, this is the segment of the podcast where we typically ask um, guests to give a little tip. It could be anything workflow-related. It can be something super simple. It can be more philosophical. Um, But we would like to ask if you have any tips for our listeners. I'm going to go big. Yes. Because I know a lot of people that want to... uh, you know, they, they, they want to make their own thing. They want to make art. They want to get into the industry. I would have to say is just focus on what you love, what your passions are, and just make, become like the best at that thing. Hmm. And you'll find your audience. I think it's it's too hard. Like sometimes I'll, I'll daydream about being like a rock star, hmm. but I'll never be a rock star because <laughs> I'm never, I'm never going to practice all the hours of music that I would need to do that in order to be a rock star. So it's just <laughs> going to live in my brain as a fantasy. Don't strive for those unrealistic fantasies. Just be honest. What do you enjoy doing? Just do more of that. Eventually you'll get good enough that if you become the 99, if you're in the 99 percentile of any skill, you can find an audience. You can find, you know, a home to, to kind of showcase it. I like that. That's great. That kind of relates to what you said earlier um, when you're coming up with content that's, you know, making money. It's like focus on the thing that you are interested in and for no other reason. That reminds me of an awesome Jim Carrey quote, which I think was, you can fail at what you don't like to do. So you might as well fail at what you love or do something you love because that's better. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Some, something along the lines of that. <laughs> You know, that Jim Carrey fellow is very philosophical. <laughs> Should have him on the podcast. <laughs> oh, Jim, if you hear that. Uh, Gary, if you're a listener. If you're a listener. We invite you. <laughs> so we are now nearing the end of our interview. Josh, most important question. Where can we find Lucas the Spider and Comet Tales? Uh, so Lucas the Spider is pretty well established as far as where it's where it can be found online. Um, there's lucasthespider.com. Uh, YouTube slash Lucas Spider. There's even a Facebook page. Um, Facebook is just Lucas the Spider. Um, Common Tales is still pretty new, and so we're building that platform. Um, you, know, you get to a certain size before you can actually claim the name on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's still still too early to see if it will uh, sort of take off um, in a similar way or not. But uh, we're still super proud of all the episodes we're coming up with, and. Uh, we have a lot of ideas that we really want to tell. So it'll be a, a fun project to work on. Nice. Awesome. Sweet. And then um, 
And then for me personally, I have an Instagram account. It's just JSlice Animation. I'm sort of treating that as just my any sort of project I have, uh, whether it's um, you know something I'm. I was gonna say not like things I'm working on at Disney because that'd be bad if I break your rules. You know, rap party stuff and like the <laughs> Disney and stuff you can share, as well as you know personal projects I'm working on at home. Nice. Thank you so much, Josh. So on the topic of social media listeners, you can follow the Animation Happy Hour podcast on YouTube, Twitter, Apple Podcasts. We're basically on every social media platform you can think of, Facebook. Um, we also love to hear your questions. You can email us at animationhappyhour at gmail.com. And with that, this has been Katie, Garrett, Ben, and Josh. Thanks for listening and... Happy Happy